0: What's up, and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity, for you to become the saint that God desires for you and all of us to be. Here's how the show goes. If you are a first time listener, you hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship with Jesus, discipleship, catechesis, evangelization. And the list goes on and on and on. I would then spend time with your questions and try to respond in such a way that it is helpful for you to grow in virtue, for you to grow in imitation of Christ. But the reality is this, I am an imperfect broken priest and every now and then because I am not infallible, my advice might not be helpful for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful though difficult, I want to encourage you to lean into Christ in prayer and the scriptures and in the sacraments. So that our lord can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship again if you're a first-time listener you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com email me with your feedback on today's show and previous episodes and as well as that you can hit me up with new questions for future episodes also rate us and review us on itunes and other podcast formats that helps other people find out about the show and please share us on your social media on your instagram on your twitter on your Facebook. Again, that helps people find out about the show. I recently wrote a new book called Pocket Guide to Adoration. Uh, so if you have difficulties of knowing what to do when you go to adoration, how to pray, how to avoid distractions, how to lean into the liturgical action of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, how to remain fixed on Jesus Christ and share your heart appropriately and receive His heart in prayer, then I want to encourage you to go buy my new book. You can pre-order it now at ascensionpress.com and on amazon.com. I think it is the number one new release for Roman Catholic books on Amazon. Uh, and so you could go ahead and buy that, but you could also text 33777, text Ask Father Josh to that number 33777 for a chance to win a free copy of The Pocket Guide to Adoration. I will announce the winner in the episode that drops on February 4th. On today's show, our topics are all about the pro-life movement. We're going to talk about rape and abortion, right? Is it ever okay to get abortion, especially if someone experiences the traumatic action of being raped? What about excommunication of pro-choice politicians? And finally, how do we talk about our mistakes to our children, especially whenever they get older? But before we get into those topics of conversation, I want to share with you a glory story. Oh man, ah, that was my coffee, and yes, my coffee is still so good, so good, so good. I know you love it, that my coffee is so good, so good, so good. It is so, 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 so good. Yeah, so my glory story is is this. This past week, we got to hang out as a press bidder. We had our formation continuing education days in uh, Metairie, Louisiana, and it was just it was good. It was good to be with my brothers. It was good to be able to abide in relationship, to celebrate mass, to hang out and spend time with my brother priest. We don't get to see each other that often. And so when we get together for events like this, it's always nice. And we had Father Sean Kikali and Father Alex McCullough as our presenters. And they both did amazing, amazing jobs with their workshops, with their presentations on renewal and parish ministry and also on pornography. And uh, ways that we could find healing from that addiction. And so yeah, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time of of being with my brothers. And then, you know, as a as a man who's a pastor, as a priest who's a pastor, I love my parish so much. And so anytime I'm away, I start to miss them. You know, so obviously I'm praying for them in the liturgy of the hours. And when I offer mass, I'm offering mass for them and stuff like that. But I began to miss my bride. And so I um I was able to get back home on Thursday. And that evening, it was really cool. One of my parishioners, Malcolm, we call him Bear. Uh, and Bear looks like one of my best friends, Bo. And so I, I want them to meet one day. I think they might be related. They don't know it yet, but I'm, I'm telling you, like, they look they look like they could be related. So I bet they're distant cousins. Uh, but anyways, Bear uh, put together this really cool fishes of men thing where it's like this fishing tournament. And he invited me to speak to the group of men and women who were there who were Catholic and Protestant um, and other. Um, And, and it's just, it was cool for me to see him in his element and the way that he has responded to the Lord's invitation for him to make disciples of all nations. Like y'all know, I'm always talking about that. We've got to go out of our comfort zone. We've got to go out of people who look like us and people who pray like us and people who believe what we believe. And we need to be like the apostles in Acts chapter two and share Jesus with everyone if you're Catholic, don't just share Jesus with Catholics. Share Jesus with Protestants. If you are Catholic um, and and male, don't just share Jesus with Catholics who are male. Share Jesus with people who are also women. If you're Catholic and you are Hispanic, don't just share Jesus with other Catholics who are Hispanic. Share Jesus with Catholics who are Asian. Right? We got to get out of our little holy huddles and and bear's doing that. And I was so grateful as a father to see the fruit that he and his wife are bearing in this ministry that they are participating in right now. So anyways, so my glory story is being able to abide with my brother priest, receive some solid, solid workshops, and then come back home to my bride, to my parish, and and just be a proud dad, be a proud father of what my, my sons and daughters are doing here in the parish and the supernatural fruit they're bearing. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, I'm about to have some more coffee, and then we're going to get into our feedback from previous episodes. Okay, first feedback comes in from Iris. Iris, one of my friends in fourth grade, and we were in class together from fourth grade to uh, twelfth grade. Her name is Crystal Melody, Uh, but I think her first name is Iris, or her middle name was Iris. I just remember in fourth grade, she came into class with a jacket on, a black jacket, looked like a rock and roll singer. And I was like, man, this girl looks cool. And uh, her name was Iris. So shout out to you, Iris Crystal Melody, even though I have not seen you since uh, 2005. Shout out to you wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. So this person, Iris, writes this. uh, Hey, Father Josh, I'm a regular listener to your podcast and I'm current on the episodes. But today I was feeling anxious and I was struggling through some things. So to calm myself, I selected a random episode from the archives. I chose the episode from November 13th, 2018. When you got to the question from the woman who regretted an abortion, every muscle in my body tended in anticipation of your answer. You see, she was asking the questions that came from my own heart as well. I began crying as I listened to you read out her thoughts and listened to your response to her. I struggle with those feelings, fears, and heartaches too, and I know she and I are not alone. Your response was such a blessing, but I wanted to send an email in the event that it could possibly reach her and she could hear me say that she helped me. Oh, I love this. Jesus took her suffering and used it to help and comfort others in her position. His mercy for her has reached past her situation and into my life and probably countless others who heard her words and yours. Thank you for being such an excellent company on my walk with Jesus. God bless you, Iris. Oh, wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, God bless you, Iris. Ah, oh, you're such a gift. You're such a gift. All right, the next uh, question comes in from a person who is anonymous. This person says this, Dear Father Josh, if you end up reading this note on air, please refer to me as anonymous. A few weeks ago, you responded to a Catholic couple who are with child out of wedlock. I want to thank you so much for your loving and compassionate response to them. While acknowledging that they had sinned, you praised and celebrated them for what is so much more important about their story, the fact that they are choosing life. That story brought tears to my eyes because I am a man Who faced a similar situation over 30 years ago, but was led by our culture, by my lack of maturity, and the absence of strong male role models in my life to make a different choice. Only recently I've become aware of the cosmic proportions of my sin, and I've been through many painful things in my life, but I don't think anything could compare with the after effects of abortion the despair, the desolation, and the loss, even 30 years later. I want you and your listeners to know two things. First, If you are involved in any pro-life work, please do not use provocative words like murder to describe abortion. Abortion is indeed a violation of the commandment, thou shalt not kill, but provocative language does not convince anyone on the political issue. What it does do is cause people with post-abortion trauma to drive their pain, remorse, and hopelessness even deeper. The huge numbers of people who have had abortions, there are many who are silently suffering from post-abortion trauma but don't know what to do. Aside from the fact that they deserve to know about God's love and to be healed by it, these silent sufferers are a vast, untapped reserve of pro-life warriors. Second, for women and men who have been involved in abortions, there are a number of excellent organizations that can help you heal. They will not shame you, call you names, or make you feel worse than you already do. They will help you to get in touch with God's love and heal. Such organizations include Project Rachel, the Sisters of Life, and Save One. Please do not suffer in silence. You can get help. Thank you, Father Josh, for your show, and God bless Anonymous. Anonymous, God bless you. Thank you so much, and I am so grateful that you share those resources, Project Rachel, the Sisters of Life, and Save One. Um, it is necessary for men and women who have experienced the trauma of abortion to receive God's mercy, and those are some excellent tools that can help people encounter the love of God in their walk toward eternity, and begin the healing process as they become the saints that they are called to be. Anonymous, I pray that one day you and I will get to meet in heaven and worship before before the throne of God together. All right, on to our first question. Our first question comes in from Brianna, or Brianna. Brianna writes this, My name is Brianna, and I live in Kyle, Texas. I absolutely love your podcast, and a lot of your episodes have brought so much clarity to my life and helped me grow my faith, so thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, You are very welcome. Uh, My question is this, with new abortion laws being made, particularly making abortion illegal for women who have been raped, how do we react to such situations with grace, I'm honestly torn on how to feel about this issue because as a woman, I could not imagine being raped and then having to bear their child. I feel women may view having to give birth as a punishment instead of a good thing. I was wondering what your views on this very sensitive issue are. Thank you for your time, Brianna. Yeah, Brianna, thank you so much for asking this question. This is certainly, certainly, certainly a very sensitive issue, and and we must empathize with the victims um, in these cases. Uh, And right now, as a pastor, um, as a priest, I just want to say to any listener right now, if you've ever been raped, I am so sorry. Like, I am so sorry for what happened to you. Um, and it's okay to be sad, and it's okay to experience just anger because Jesus is angry, too, at the sins that have been committed against you. And I want you to know that it was not your fault. And I pray that whoever did this to you is brought to justice and has a conversion and repents repents for the sins they committed against you and Jesus. What happened to you was not your fault. God wants to heal you, and I highly encourage that you get in contact if you've been raped with a, with a therapist, a licensed counselor um, who specializes in sexual trauma. Really, seriously. like it's It's really important to pray. It's really important to come to your priest and talk to us about it and your small group, discipleship, Bible study partners, and brothers and sisters, but there are particular members of the body of Christ who have gifts to help those members of the body of Christ who have been sexually traumatized to find healing in ways that those of us who are not sexual therapists, trauma, traumatic therapists can't do. So I really want to encourage you to get in contact with somebody who can walk with you. I particularly would recommend uh, Women's New Life Center. If you just Google Women's New Life Center, reach out to them. They can certainly provide, provide you with resources wherever you're at with a counselor who can, who can accompany you in encountering the healing power of Christ in your walk toward eternity. When it comes to abortion, I think, though, it's really important if we just answer this question, um, is, the, is the baby in the womb a human person? Be, because the thing is this, is humans are people, and, and people, all people, all people are endowed with inherent rights, And inherent dignities. So if it's true that the person in the womb, the baby in the womb, is a person, then that person deserves the same legal rights that you and I enjoy. The baby in the womb is a person, a human person. If we say, it kicked me, and we know that when we say, my baby kicked me, that we're talking about a person kicked me and not an animal, that person then deserves human rights, legal rights. The reason why we don't make exceptions is because a baby who is conceived in rape is still a human person. Just as much as the child who was conceived in consensual marital sex is a human person, that baby in the womb. Like if you're pregnant and somebody um, m- kills you and your baby dies too in the womb, then, then they can go to jail for double homicide, right? They, they killed two people, right? So we believe legally under the law that the child in the womb is a person, so that, that person deserves the same legal rights um, as a child in the womb who is, is wanted, right, by the, by the mother and or the mother and the father. So if we believe that the baby is a person, and, and as you just point a fact, that like the heart begins to beat at three weeks, then that person in the womb has rights because he or she is a person. It would be foolish to say, well, a baby in the womb is a person except for the baby in the womb who is conceived by rape. There's no except. People who are people are people, and people must have rights. And to pretend that a person who was conceived in rape is not a person is ridiculous. I, I know people who have been conceived in rape and are now adults who have families and who are disciples of Jesus and who have changed so many people's lives. To say that their life doesn't matter is, is, not, is not okay, right? To say my life mattered more because I was not conceived in rape is an injustice to those people whose lives are conceived in rape. Because we have to keep in mind that anybody who comes into existence does not just come into existence from a sperm and an egg coming together. It also must involve God's will. God must will that person into existence, right? God says, I want this person to exist. He did not will the rape to happen. But if a baby comes from that rape, God will that person to exist for all eternity, forever. That soul will be here forever and ever and ever. Just as I, Father Josh, would not receive the death penalty for my father's sins, if my dad, let's say, beat someone, beat someone to the point of death and they survived but were disabled the rest of their life, my dad would probably go to jail, but you wouldn't say, "Well, Father Josh, because you're his son, you should receive the the death penalty. like why should the child in the womb receive the death penalty because of the sins of his or her father right that That, that just doesn't work That is that's, that's immoral. Now, being that rape is a traumatic event, if a woman did choose to have an abortion after the rape, we have to keep in mind that when we are in traumatic situations, we don't always think logically about, oh, wait a minute, this this child that is in my womb now is a baby, which means this baby is a human person and every human person has rights. Not everybody's thinking like that whenever they go through traumatic situations. If you've ever been traumatized by anything or anyone in your life, you know that you probably aren't thinking logically. And so whenever we are involved in traumatic situations, sometimes we make choices that we then regret later so if you are a person who was involved in a traumatic situation like rape and you conceive the child and you aborted that child and now you are listening to this episode here's what what I want to say to you I want to say this to you God loves you so much and God knew that you would be listening to this podcast today and God has a plan for your life a plan for you to become a saint the sin of rape that was committed against you was not your fault God is not happy with the person who raped you, right? God, God was angry at that sin that was committed against you. But the devil, the devil wants you to believe that your decision to have that abortion was the best option for you. And then after you had the abortion, the devil began to whisper into your ear that you would never be forgiven and that you should then pull away, pull away from Jesus and pull away from the church and pull away from, from the sacraments. Do not listen to the voice of the enemy, God is calling you to relationship with him in the sacrament of reconciliation because God wants to heal you in that sacrament. God wants to forgive you in that sacrament. God wants to love you more than you've ever been loved before in that sacrament. And there's nothing that God wants more than for you to know his mercy for you from him. And so, look. If you want to come to to a priest who will be pastoral and who will accompany you, I would be honored to do so. You can come to me at my parish at Holy Rosary. We have confessions on Tuesdays at 5 p.m., on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7 a.m., on Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m., and also by appointment anytime I will be available to walk with you, to accompany you, to pray with you, and to extend God's mercy to you. He wants you to receive his love and His mercy. I also really do believe that God wants you to, re- to participate in, in a retreat with the Sisters of Life or with someone that Women's Life Center can point you to. I do believe that counseling is also really helpful for those of us who have experienced trauma in our lives. I cannot imagine what kind of pain and suffering you've been through because of the violence that has been committed against you um, and that which you potentially have endured after. But I want you to know that God's mercy is for you. God loves you. He loves you so much. And please come to the sacrament so that God can give you life and healing and restoration. I, I hope that that answer was, was helpful. Um, but speaking of abortion, let's just go ahead and, and continue with this topic right now um, with pro-choice politicians who fight for laws that can harm. Harm women and harm their babies and harm the fathers and harm the entire community. Um, This question comes in from a person who is, I presume, anonymous because I don't see your name. I'm so sorry. So this person writes this, excommunication of pro-choice politicians. First, I just want to thank you for the work you're doing with your podcast. So many times it has felt like you have been talking directly to me. I'm so thankful for all that you're doing and for your yes to be a priest and help so many strive to become saints. Your podcast has been such an instrumental part of my faith development, especially through this past year when I first fell in love with our Lord and my Catholic faith. Oh, praise God. Please send me another message at Ask Father Josh with your name again. Um, and tell me your story of how you fell in love with God and his church. I would love to hear that. But your question is this. My question for you deals with excommunication, especially in regards to public officials who claim to be Catholic, yet condone and encourage grave evils like abortion. I'm a high school teacher at a Catholic high school in Michigan and I'm getting a lot of questions from my students as to why an official like Andrew Cuomo is not being excommunicated from the church after he championed a law like the Reproductive Health Act. For as much as I love the discussion and time to discuss the evils of abortion, this topic brings, I find myself unable to articulate what the actual teaching on excommunication is or how to appropriately respond to the question a student posed. How can the church excommunicate someone when we're told that there is nothing God cannot? And does not forgive. Isn't excommunicating someone a human, judging another and condemning them to hell? I understand excommunication is supposed to be used as a call to repentance, but I do not think my explanation to my student was anywhere near adequate for a complete understanding, and I didn't want to fall into a trap of letting my anger over the evil of the law get in the way of the truth of the church's teaching. Any guidance you could provide would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for your time. I'm really working on being more committed to praying intentionally every day and keeping you and all of our amazing priests in my prayers has been such a great motivator. It's a work in progress, but please know I'm trying. Thanks again. Oh, God bless you. I am. So, look, you have no idea how grateful I am for your prayers. Ah, and this question is great. So, um, you can actually just, if you want, play this answer if you find it appropriate um, to your students. So, first, when it comes to excommunication, I'll answer the question what is not. Then I'll focus on what it is. Then I'll focus on what it does and the purpose of excommunication. So, what is excommunication not? Because I think it's a very misunderstood word in the Catholic Church. It does not mean that a person is no longer a Christian. Because by virtue of our baptism, we have received an indelible mark, an indelible mark on our soul that will be with us forever. Forever? Forever, ever? Forever, ever? Like, literally forever. In heaven, we will have that same mark from our baptism. We can't be unbaptized. Once baptized, always baptized. That baptism that we received marks us as a Christian, right? It's on us forever. Like my priesthood, whenever I was ordained to the priesthood, I have received an indelible mark on my soul. So I will be a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Even whenever I die, I'm still a priest. Uh, even if I get my faculty stripped from me, uh, I'm still a priest. Once a priest, always a priest. The, the mark never leaves my soul. There's an indelible mark on our souls that we receive a baptism, confirmation, and ordination. And so that mark is always there. Um, and so what it what does it also not mean? It does not mean that it is a permanent thing. It does not mean that it is um, not irreversible. To, to be excommunicated does not mean that you're kicked out of the Catholic Church. So what does it mean? The word actually means to, to be out of full communion with the Catholic Church. This means that the Catholic person does not get to enjoy the benefits that come with being in full communion with the Church. Uh, like a, a parent who uh, punishes their child says you don't get to receive the benefits of being in good standing with our family right now because you are being punished so you cannot play the video game you're still you're still in our family but you don't get the benefits that come with being um an active member right in the family right now so you have to go to your room and a timeout right now so you don't get to play the video game S communication is a censure a censure that is used as a medicinal remedy in an effort to persuade the offender to stop doing the wrongful behavior and help the person to come back to the life of grace in the church through repentance, reformation, and reparation, and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the good of his or her own soul, and to help prevent other people from falling into that same sinful behavior that is not good for their salvation. Once the person does repent, reform, and repair, the damages they have done, the excommunication can be lifted. So next thing is, what does excommunication do? It forbids the person from engaging in certain activities like like receiving Holy Communion at Mass. To receive Holy Communion, one must be in Holy Communion with Jesus Christ and His Church. If one is not in Holy Communion with Jesus Christ and His Church and receives Holy Communion, then what does St. Paul say in the Scriptures? He says, the reason why some of you are sick is because you're receiving Communion and you're not supposed to be receiving Communion, right? Think about it. Some people are sick, not just people who are excommunicated and receiving Holy Communion, but people who are in mortal sin. Like they've committed a grave act, and they knew it was wrong. And they chose to do it, and then they still come and receive Holy Communion, and they get sick. Saint Paul argues that potentially the reason why some people are sick—not all people—some people are sick just because they're sick, because we're humans. Right? We have um, original sin has has helped us to be um, frail human beings whose bodies fall apart. But however, some people are sick according to the Word of God because they receive Communion unworthily. So, uh, in order to receive Communion, you got to do what? You got to be baptized, and then if you've committed any sins between baptism and communion, you got to go to confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, to be welcomed back to that sacrament of Holy Communion. Again, once the person repents, reforms, repairs, they can be restored to full communion with Jesus and the church. And the sign of that full communion is they receive Holy Communion at Mass. An example of a person who was excommunicated in recent history and then restored to full communion with Jesus Christ in his Catholic church uh, was the racist person Leander Perez in the uh, Archdiocese of New Orleans. Uh, The Archbishop Joseph Rummel in 1962 excommunicated him because he was a racist and he supported institutional racism and he was very prejudiced and uh, discriminated against people of color. However, seven years later in 1969, Mr. Perez repented and because he repented, he died as a disciple of Jesus Christ who was, get this, Back in full communion with the Catholic Church. Now, with all that being said, what's the purpose? The purpose, according to a guy named Dr. Peters, who wrote this really cool book on the topic of excommunication, said the purpose is to bring about reform in the life of the offender. The purpose is to help the person be saved. We want everyone to be saved. We want everyone to experience Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ for all eternity. So essentially, if the bishop believes that excommunication is the means, like the best means to help a person. Repent and reform and repair so they can be restored to right relationship with Jesus Christ in their walk toward eternity, then that bishop will do so. However, if a bishop discerns that there may be another way to help the person repent, reform and repair for their salvation, then he may go about it in that way. It reminds me of the story of St. Vitalis of Rome. Um, He not only prayed and fasted for the prostitutes in his community, but he also went out at night and paid for them to spend the night with him. And whenever they would spend the night with him, he would pray the Psalms over them, give them money, and ask them to change their life, to repent and to believe in the gospel and to become saints. And all these women became saints. All these women ended up becoming nuns, our married women, our women who were living lives of virtue in the community. But the rest of the town had no idea what he was doing. He never made it public all the women he was fraternally correcting. And so we don't know what Bishop is or is not doing behind the scenes, how he may or may not be fraternally correcting some of these public officials. And so if the Bishop believes that the best a course of action is excommunication, then praise God. I, I trust his discernment. But if a bishop who is praying and fasting and trying to be an intentional disciple of Jesus Christ discerns in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament and in communion with other bishops who are also radical disciples of Jesus Christ, that there may be another way for him to help a person of uh, repent, reform, and repair, then, look, I'm not going to sit there and, and talk about what I don't know. So they may be doing things that we don't know. So uh, that's why some bishops might not excommunicate is because they think there might be a better way to help the person uh, come back to Jesus and not go to hell. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I think. Let me know what you all think. Uh, hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com with your feedback, your questions, your comments, your concerns, your critiques. And then after the break, we will dive into our final question about how we share our past mistakes with our children when our kids get older. And If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, and we're back. Don't forget, you can email me at Josh at com with your own questions, concerns, and critiques. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. Again, that helps other people find out about the gift of the show. If it's helpful for you, maybe it's helpful for them too. And you can text 33777, josh, all one word, And if you do that, you might win a copy of my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, uh, that is available for pre-order at ascensionpress.com and also on amazon.com. Again, it is currently the number one Roman Catholic book on Amazon. And so uh, I pray it's helpful for you. I wrote a lot of it before the Blessed Sacrament Exposed. And so uh, I I pray it helps you to go deeper with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament with the scriptures and the catechism and the lives of the saints and, of course, the the, the rosary. Um, It was fun fun working on the book and um and if it can help anybody become a saint then um i will be happy forever and ever and ever so final question comes in from uh michaela michaela says this hey father josh i love listening to your podcast your answers are always so helpful and have gotten me back in touch with my faith on a daily basis love listening while i'm doing chores around the house or in the car my question has to do with children born outside of marriage i became pregnant with my daughter when i was 19 outside of marriage It was a moment of weakness for me and one that I've been to confession for and am still forgiving myself for. When I found out there was never a question of what am I going to do, I knew that I was having my child, my baby, and abortion was never a thought in my mind. I knew it would be hard, but I come from a long line of strong women and I could do all things through Christ. Amen. I wanted to get your opinion on how to address this topic with my daughter when she's older. I'm raising her Catholic, but I don't ever want her to think that she was a mistake. I also don't want to be a hypocrite when teaching my daughter about our faith and its views on sexual relationships. Peace and love always, Michaela. Yeah, I mean, praise God. Yeah, so the way that we help people to remember that they're not mistakes is by letting them know that every person who exists, exists not only because of the actions of two human people, but also because of the action of the divine, of God. We only exist because God. I am here because God wants me to be here. Your daughter exists because God wanted her to be here. And so God, throughout salvation history, has created some of the greatest people um, through lines and generations of people who, who did things that were immoral, um, but yet he still brought about tremendous blessings from those immoral relationships like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes from a line of prostitutes, right? There are prostitutes and there are people who had incest in his family lineage. There are people who did... very immoral things uh, like murder um, and his family lineage um, and adultery and drunkenness and thievery and yet and still that's the line that he was born out of into his holy family of Joseph and Mary. And so if Jesus Christ chooses to come from a messy family, then he wants to be born and he wants, he will be born um, again and again and again in messy families throughout the rest of salvation history. As far as the details, I always think spare the details, right? Uh, share the chicken nuggets, spare the barbecue sauce. We don't have to go into details about things with our kids. Uh, they're, they're just convers. We can let people know, like, I love you, your gift, I never thought about aborting you like that. That's enough. Right. Um, But we don't have to go into all the details of that relationship and and that that kind of stuff. I think that that we as parents, I think this is my personal opinion. You might have a different opinion and you might be right. I might be wrong. Um, But I just think that there should be boundaries as far as how deep we go in conversation with our children, because. I don't know. I just think as, as um, sometimes kids don't even know all the details. Right. Um, be be g- general, but like not so specific and just specifically speak about how much she's loved and wanted and was never was never thought about considering an abortion. Right. But like, I don't know. I just I just feel like sometimes with kids, we this generation shares way too much details. Um, I remember like so we do the March for Life pilgrimage every year. My diocese, would take like 10 buses and 20 nuns and a bunch of seminarians and priests and um, awesome lay people. And, um, and then we, we do these things where we share stories and testimonies. And, you know, the kids are typically pretty good about that. But sometimes the adults get on there and when they share their testimonies, they share like way too many details um, with their kids in front of other kids. And I'm like, yo, like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't have said all that. So I think it's enough to say, like, look, I love you. You are a gift from God. And I, um, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. Uh, and so yeah i mean if if the child knows she was conceived out of marriage, um cool if she doesn't know i don't think she has to know right um so it's that's up to you and your discernment as a mom, um but yeah, we certainly i think there's a way to 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 help our kids know that like we're not perfect, like like I send the podcast every episode i'm imperfect i'm broken i've been in mortal sin, um but however, you notice I never go into details about like who I was in relationship with, like what my ex-girlfriend's names are and, and what, what I did and, and did not do. Like that's, that, that's too much information, right? It's enough to know that I've experienced unhealthy, broken relationships, but God has brought many graces and blessings out of me going back to confession and being in community with him. And so the same thing applies for you. Uh, you uh, were um, a sinner who is called to be a saint, and every saint, every saint um, has a past and every sinner has a future and you want to walk with your daughter towards your your mutual future of both becoming saints for the kingdom of heaven so i don't know hopefully that was helpful for for you let's go ahead and pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen jesus thank you for your mercy thank you for your divine mercy thank you for extending that mercy to us in this new way in our life um, especially through saint john paul ii and saint Faustina. I ask that um, you just like give us the graces that we need to be able to perceive and receive the mercy, the infinite mercy, the intimate mercy that you have for each and every single one of us in our walk toward eternity. And allow that mercy that we receive from you in prayer be the driving force to draw us to become uh, disciples disciples in our walk toward eternity, disciples who are committed to the interior life, disciples who are committed to intentional time of prayer, disciples who are committed to extending your mercy to our brothers and sisters who we're allowed to accompany together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for seeing us, for knowing everything about us, and for still choosing us to be saints, for wanting to be in relationship with us right now, wherever we're at. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed Mother. Wrap all the graces that God gives us in your mantle of love and protection so that we can abide in relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit now and always. Amen. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in this week, and I look forward to walking with you toward eternity next week through the Ask Father Josh podcast. Don't forget, you can walk with me outside the podcast through um, my Instagram page at Father Josh Johnson, F.R. Josh Johnson, Twitter, F.R. Josh Johnson, and uh, some of the books that I've been able to put out with Ascension, uh, Broken and Blessed, and now my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, uh, so that we can accompany each other toward heaven. Please pray, pray, pray for me, fast for me, because I ain't trying to go to hell. All right, God bless. Bye.